Hey, Velocity Church, it's great to be worshiping with you this morning despite the weather forecast. And so I'm really glad that we're able to gather together as we're in our homes this morning, enjoying the snow coming down. And, and everybody is glad that it's snowing. I know that that's true. I know Sarah said that earlier, and I know that nobody is disappointed whatsoever that there's snow coming down right now because we all love that and enjoy that, right? Even if you don't, no perfect people allowed, so that's, that's who we are as a church. Hey, and parents, I just wanted to remind you and let you know that at velocitychurch.info, if you go to the kids and youth page, that you'll find all the links you need for our elementary students and down and their lesson curriculum. And so there's video teaching there that you guys can jump into right after worship this morning. And so we want to invite you to check that out as well. I love a good story, and it doesn't really have to be any kind of particular genre. I I lean towards sci-fi and fantasy, and you probably would have guessed that based on some things that I've shared before. I'm willing to fly halfway across the country to go watch Star Wars with a buddy. So if if the story is told well, or even if it's not really particularly told well, if there's some kind of interesting element in, in it, I will enjoy it. Even our kids, when we would read them little kids' books, and we still read some of those, If the kids would lose interest in it, I would still keep interest really because I want to know what happened at the end. And so if it was about a dog and his stuffed toy or something like that, I'd be I'd be all in it and wanting to know what happens to this dog. So I love I love stories. I like books. I like movies. I like TV shows, documentaries, podcasts, whatever it is, you name it. I I enjoy it. I have my preferences for subject matter. But if it tells a story, I'm interested in checking it out. Now, for someone who really likes story, there's a little bit of a problem, though. So when it comes to books, for example, there are somewhere, based on some Google Books research, there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 140 million books that exist in the world. IMDb has 267,039 feature-length films, so that's anything 40 minutes or longer that are listed in their record. So that doesn't include every film that's ever, ever been made. In 2019, I couldn't even come up with or find a guesstimate on how many TV shows exist in the world in history. Uh, but in 2019, we had a record number of TV shows coming in at 532 scripted shows, which is just, just crazy how many more shows are being pumped out constantly. There's almost 5 billion videos that are watched on YouTube every day and almost 900,000 podcasts, somewhere in that neighborhood, again, hard to find exact numbers, with more than 30 million episodes. So it's very obvious, even if you're an avid book reader or you're an avid you know, film watcher or podcast listener, you're not going to, in the course of anyone's lifetime, be able to consume all of that media and hear all of those stories. It doesn't even count the countless unpublished works that people have done or the real-life stories that exist out there. And we all have our own ideas of which stories are valuable to our time, which ones we're going to take our time out for. Those ideas intersect with one another, and so we'll end up with a few collection of commonly known stories that we all kind of are aware of and maybe have enjoyed alongside of our personal preferences. And it's easy to kind of take those and separate those out based on our preferences or based on different genres, kind of study their impact, give our own subjective perspective and reasons for why we like and dislike them, but very different to try to argue their objective worth. And so you could try to convince somebody till you're blue in the face that Homer's The Iliad and The Odyssey are really important works that we should study and know for some particular reason, Uh, but even objective reasons for its value are not going to be that convincing for somebody who doesn't like it. But it's when story connects with us personally, that's when it 
can be incredibly powerful, in fact, so powerful that it changes our lives. A couple nights ago, there's a movie that came out in 2020 called Safety. A couple nights ago, my family watched that on Disney+. And it's not really a well-done movie at all. It's kind of campy. You kids really enjoyed it. My son Seth has watched it like five times, three days in a row, something like that. He just really got into the story. And we were watching it, and it was great, and it was cute. It's this, about this guy who goes to play college football, and then his kid brother ends up showing up unannounced, and he starts living with him, and his brother has to hide him from everybody else, or else he gets in trouble. The brother's discovered, and, you know, pandemonium ensues, and he goes through this story where he has to ask for a special waiver from the NCAA for him to be able to take care of his brother and be a student athlete all at the same time. And so not really that great of a movie, kind of campy, all those, all those kinds of things, until, though, you come to understand and know and realize that it's all based on a true story. It's something that actually happened, and to be quite honest, I had a lump in my throat for most of the second half of the movie. When you can place yourself in the shoes of others, have genuine empathy and positive regard for their lives and the stories of their lives, and what they tell you and, and what, what they're in, in their lives, whether, whether it's something that's, that's factual with real people or fictional character, it reminds us, it encourages us, it challenges it's us, it instructs us, and it transforms us in life. That's the power of a good story. It's one of the reasons why one of our rules here for our church is that everyone's story matters. It's both an invitation, that, that phrase is both an invitation and an appeal for anyone to discover their place within God's story as a part of our congregation. An invitation in that we're not interested in the exclusion that might come from us as human beings. If there's going to be any kind of obstacle, the only obstacle we want here at our church is Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith. And it's also an appeal in that for anyone who calls Velocity their church, this is the expected perspective that we have for followers of Jesus as part of this congregation. Because this is the perspective that Jesus had. And the result ensured through his death, burial, and resurrection, that everyone's story matters because God's story matters. And up to this point, as we've looked at the rhythms of the disciple that Jesus lives out, we've been studying what it looks like to follow Jesus, and not in terms of here's some good ideas or here's some best practices that you could put into practice in your life, but much more directly and much more at the heart of the matter, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. And so if we don't do what he did, we aren't following him. In fact, it's a regular warning throughout the, throughout the New Testament that belief and thought and feelings alone will not position us as followers of Jesus. We're called to belief and action. So we've looked at some of the holy habits that Jesus has intentionally put in place and lived his life by. We talked about abiding in God and how Jesus, through prayer and through fasting and setting, a time, setting time to be solely alone with God's presence— determines whether or not we, that's enough for us. And that's an important part of being a follower of God. Is God enough for us? Bible internalization. So we looked at Jesus' life and how he knew scripture, not just some verses here and there, but knew it in context and knew how to use it practically in his life to, uh, to be obedient to God's call. And so reading and memorizing scripture to put it into practice. We talked about intentional relationships, building those relationships with godly men and women that determine the quality and direction of our lives. And this morning, we're going to be talking about another holy habit that Jesus practiced in his life, and that's telling the story. 
And the narratives that contain Jesus' life throughout Scripture, broader than just the four gospel biographies in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are given to us so that we know how to engage with who God is, yes, but also how to share and what to share about who God is. And sharing the good news about the kingdom of God is a primary function of the follower of Jesus. It's something that Jesus instructed the disciples to do, called them to do, and told them and sent them out to do. In fact, our lives are meant to be a reflection of the character and nature of God so that when others are a part of our lives, they are directed to the life of Jesus as well. We all have a story. We're all shaping a story, being shaped by a story, and we're all telling a story, but we're not meant to be the focus of the story. It's too much pressure for us, and it causes plenty of problems when it is. It's, it's for no other reason that we're not supposed to be at the center of the story than this. The story of Jesus is too important for our lives to be about anything else. The good news about Jesus is that while sin eternally separates us from God, we can be redeemed and reconciled back to God because Jesus took the consequences of our sin on himself. And so while we might deserve separation from God forever, the grace and mercy of God through Jesus ensures that that is not the end of our story. In fact, we're given a brand new life and redemptive story as a result, a brand new story to share and to tell others. And so here's Jesus explaining this to a religious leader in John chapter 3. His name is Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is having to wrestle with his understanding of the new life that God calls humanity to through Jesus. In John chapter 3, verse 1, we read this. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And so while we might talk a little bit differently than Jesus, because Jesus is talking about himself versus how we share other people with Jesus, we're talking about who, who Jesus is and our experience as a result of Jesus changing our life. In that conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus is sharing with him what it looks like to say yes to him, for life change to come apart. And so when we talk to somebody about accepting the gospel and saying yes to Jesus, we talk about belief, faith, we talk about repentance, turning our lives around and following only God. We talk about confession and making Jesus the Lord of our life and being willing to proclaim that in our life. We talk about baptism. That's where we say yes to Jesus. Our sins are symbolically washed away. We're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we're called to live a new life and a new story. And these are all kind of intertwined and represented in this conversation that Jesus has with, with Nicodemus. 
and telling him how someone responds to the good news of Jesus' salvation from sin and death. In fact, right after this, Jesus and his disciples go out baptizing right after this encounter. And if you're ready to follow Jesus, I just want to let you know, we want to invite you to do that. And so we want to talk to you about what that means. We want to answer any questions that you have. And so drop us a message at any time. Send us a DM. Send us an email. Go to velocitychurch.info. Fill out a card and let us know, hey, I'm ready to connect and talk about what it means to say yes to Jesus. But what I really want to focus in on is what got Nicodemus there in the first place to have this conversation with Jesus. Because Jesus is, is an enemy to the religious ruling council. And so Nicodemus, who's a member of this, comes to Jesus at night. He's asking all these philosophical and religious questions about what it means for this brand new covenant, this brand new story that God is ushering into the kingdom through Jesus, and what it means for his life and how, how he could change that. But why would he risk all of his position, all of his authority, all of his power, all of his possessions on this conversation? And it has everything to do with how Jesus was teaching, yes, but also the story that his life was telling. And Jesus describes the life of his followers like this. In Matthew chapter 5, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. From the very beginning, God's plan for sharing his story and Jesus' way of teaching about the kingdom of God, sharing the good news, a way of reaching and restoring the world has always been through blessing it. The life of Jesus was a blessing. God's purpose and meaning for our life, the way that he interacts with us, the way that he works everything out to the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, is, is a blessing. And as Christians, we're called to live life in a very practical way that's theologically grounded, that is a blessing to other people in our lives. Salt with no flavor, which can't really exist, uh, would be the most disappointing thing ever. Light that gives no light in the darkness would be absolutely useless. And so it is with us if our belief in Jesus isn't about following him in such a way that brings flavor and brightness to the lives of others. It's that testimony of living out our faith in Jesus that puts us in a position to bless others with the story of Jesus. And so I just want to give some very practical, real steps that Jesus took and modeled for us that we can live out and follow each and every day that causes us, uh, it caused us as followers of Jesus and calls, uh, causes others to start a brand new story of salvation with him. And the first thing that I want to encourage you to do as you think about what it means to be a follower of Jesus who tells the story of Jesus is that you've got to start with prayer. It begins with communing with God and being intentional about what we're asking God to do in and through our lives. Simply asking God, how do you want me to bless the people that I'm around and the places that I'm in is, is the way to start. The places that you've been sent to are the places that you find yourself in. Those are the places that God is sending you right now. You can absolutely become an overseas missionary, and if you are interested in that, I would love to talk to you about that and how we can support you as a church, to be sure. But sharing the good news of Jesus in the places that you find yourself in now, uh, through your speech and your deeds, happens when we recognize that we can do that anywhere and, and that we are called to do that anywhere that we are. 
And remember, this is setting the stage for someone to desire to have a conversation about Jesus with us, not just us you know, running up to someone and say, hey, you're going to hell. You should hear about Jesus from me. That's not the way that we're going to share the, the good news of the gospel that God has called us to do. Pray that God will show you opportunities, yes, but also pray for the people who are already in your life that those opportunities will come. In fact, I want to encourage you, I've got three people in my life right now that are on my list of people that I'm praying for, that I continue to have opportunities and conversations for being able to share the story of Jesus as I am in relationship with them over time in my life. I want to encourage you to think about three people in your life that you interact with, no matter how frequent it is. Maybe it's a daily interaction. It could be at work, or the gym, wherever it may be, where you will be, remind, be reminded to be praying for them and about their story intentionally. The second thing is this, is to pray. Uh, it's, it's the first thing. The second thing is to listen. You know, so, so many times I think we, we think about telling the story of Jesus starting with us talking, and that it's really not the way that we should approach it. We shouldn't be talking as much as we should be listening to other people, hearing what their struggles are, hearing about their pains, um, hearing about the places in which they've been and what's happened in their life. And one of the biggest problems our world is facing right now is that everybody has something to say. Whether or not it's of any value is, is a different discussion, but there's not a whole lot of listening. And if we're living in such a way that we're only seeking out relationships in which people already think, act, and look like us, then we're doing it completely wrong. It's not how Jesus lived. It's not how he calls us to live. And while his close friendships were aligned with his life's purpose and mission, he engaged with everyone, and not just as a potential convert, you know, somebody he could write down on a list, but because he created them in his image and valued them as his creation. We have to authentically care about people's lives beyond our own self-interest if we want to follow Jesus in telling his story. And so we have to listen. We have to actually hear about what's going on in people's lives so we can be aware of how God is leading us to make a difference in theirs. The third, so pray, listen. The third is eat. And, and not just eat, it's more than that. But, but this, this is kind of the point here is that it takes us taking intentional time to be focused in on relationship with others. So whether it's sitting down to have lunch with somebody or dinner or inviting them over for a barbecue or just grabbing coffee, whatever it may be, uh, we have to spend time with each other. This is not about get in and get out as quickly as possible, but in act actually having genuine relationships with people to be able to tell the story of Jesus. Meal sharing is a key component of Jesus' ministry, and he constantly got flack from religious people about you know the fellowship that that he would have with sinners, that he would go out of his way to go have a meal with them or to talk with them or to be around them or heal them uh, and because of the position that it gave them in Jesus' life. That's why people had a problem with that. It's like, oh, you know, you got to be holy and you got to be a away from this people because what might other people think? And that's, that's, not, that's not the point at all. And it's not just about eating food, but it's about posi positioning yourself for a relationship in your community, where you are. So whether it's going out to eat, you know, or going to the gym, the people that you work out with, uh, your local coffee spot, the grocery store, you know, if you interact with the same cashier regularly, whoever it might be, anywhere that you regularly interact with people in your life, there are opportunities there for you to get to know who they are by being curious about their lives and about sharing yours with, with them. And then, uh, then we serve. So we pray, we listen, we eat, and then we serve. If we listen, with, listen to people, 
that we've been praying for and we eat with them, we spend time with them, whatever that looks like, even if it's not around food, people will tell you how to love them and how you can serve them. The people are valuable and they're not simply a statistic. And so sharing the gospel is not about, again, throwing a phrase at them or shoving a piece of paper in their face. It's about knowing who they are and how we can serve them. Our only limitation in what God desires to see happen in our lives will be how we limit ourselves in serving other people, how we're allowing ourselves to be disrupted by others' lives. Jesus has this happen to him constantly. He's on his way to somewhere else. Somebody comes up to him, tugs on his robe, robe, asks him a question, calls out to him from the side, and Jesus stops. He turns aside, and he serves. And Jesus is God in the flesh. If God in the flesh is willing to adjust his schedule for ours, how much more should we be willing to adjust our schedules for others? Our gifts and our talents and our time and our resources, they should be devoted in service to other people. That's what Jesus does for us. When we do, when we devote ourselves in service to other people, they'll know that we care, and then they will care about what we know and why we know it. And then finally, once we've done that, once we've been intentional in praying for people, listening to their story, uh, spending time with them, serving them in our lives, that will create the opportunity for us to tell the story. When the time is right, then we talk and we share the story of how Jesus has changed our life. Just as Nicodemus came to Jesus, even if it was in the middle of the night and he was a little scared about what's going on, he was willing to do that because of how Jesus taught and how Jesus lived his life. He wanted to know more about who Jesus is. And when we, when we do these things for others, they will be opening, open to knowing more about who we are and why we are the way that we are. And the answer is Jesus. If we're following Jesus, the why of who we are will always be because of who he is. And it's how we tell the story of Jesus, the good news about Jesus, and why it's worth entering into a brand new story of life. A disciple, a follower of Jesus, is a follower of Jesus who makes a follower of Jesus who makes a follower of Jesus. A disciple is a disciple who makes a disciple. Helping others develop into disciples requires a willingness to share with others what following Jesus is all about. And we share that by living it and telling it. And it's the most important story that we can enter into and share of all. And so right now, as we prepare to share in a time of communion with one another, I, I just want us to spend some time thinking as we share, share communion together. And I'm, I'm going to pray and the band's going to play. Um, I, I just want us to spend some time meditating on, on what it means to be making it a habit of telling others the story of Jesus. And, and thinking through what, what that actually is and how Jesus models that for us. That he enters into this, these intentional relationships with, uh, with other people and is willing to walk through the, people that even disagree with him and th that are against him, his enemies, that he's willing to be with them, to pray for them, to listen to them, to spend time with them and eat with them, to serve them, and then tell them the good news of the gospel. It's what God calls us to do as followers of him. It's why Jesus dies on the cross, why he's buried, and why he was raised again, so that everyone could have an opportunity to accept the good news of his salvation, to be redeemed and reconciled back to God for all eternity. Let's pray as we prepare our hearts and minds for communion this morning. God, we praise you for the most important story of all that you have you have recorded for us in, in your word, that you have recorded for us 
in the hearts and lives of, of Christians and f- your followers for centuries of humanity. That, that is the most popular story that, that exists. And God, the more that we live it out, the more intentional we are with sharing it through our lives and through our speech, through our actions, that more and more people will, will have an opportunity to listen and to hear it and to choose you. God, we ask that you bless this time of communion that we share together in different places this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.